Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is John McDermott. I'm the director of the CGR Research Program on Agriculture for Nutrition and Health and the co-lead of the CGR COVID-19 Hub. And I'm pleased to welcome you to, welcome you to this webinar co-hosted by the CGR and IFPRI on CGR COVID-19 Hub supporting national responses to a global pandemic. Since the COVID-19 pandemic began early last year, CGR has engaged with partners in research to provide evidence on the impacts of COVID-19, both the responses they needed and the recovery. And results are widely disseminated on the CGIR and COVID Hub 19 websites. Um, you'll also find a lot of information on websites from CGR centers, and many of the listeners today will be aware of the IF pre-COVID web, web resources. Now, beyond the center and research program response, the COVID-19 hub brings together research and related actions that benefit from cross-system coordination. Um, can you please show the slide? Now, the COVID Hub has four work areas, and they are described on this slide. Uh, value Chain Fractures looks at the challenges in food supply and the innovations to improve it. The One Health takes an integrated public health, agriculture, and environmental health uh, approach to COVID, looking at testing, risk assessment, and cross-sectoral public health and economic modeling on the effects of control measures. The food system's resilience looks at lessons from the complex supply and demand disruptions from COVID and implications for future food systems. Now, you'll see in this slide highlighted is the subject of this webinar, which is how the CGR brings in research results to support country policies and programs to respond to the pandemic and future building back. In this webinar, we look more in depth at two countries, Bangladesh and Ethiopia, where joint efforts with national partners on, on uh, COVID response are underway. You will hear from both a CGR researcher and a national institution leader from Bangladesh and from the CGR leader in Ethiopia. CGR is expanding its joint country work in three more countries. Nigeria, Malawi, and Myanmar. And for each of these countries, we'll hear from national institutional leaders on their priorities. This will be followed by a discussion in which we would welcome comments, suggestions, and questions from the audience written into the chat of your viewing platform. Given our focus on supporting country actions for COVID that reflects greater CGR systemic efforts in regional and country engagement, we're pleased to welcome CGR Managing Director for Global Engagement and Innovation, Kundavi Kadarisan, to make some remarks. Uh, Kundavi, over to you. Thank you very much, uh, John. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, 2020 was an extraordinary year on several fronts. Uh, last year at this time, we did not think of anything like this uh, wouldn't lay ahead of us last year. But here we are. The COVID-19 pandemic has uh, caused a global health crisis and a massive disruptions to economies and livelihood 
threatening to reverse the hard-won progress on poverty reduction and achieving food security over the past decades. Uh, the pandemic could result in an increase in the number of acutely food insecure people from 149 million to 270 million in just one year. The crisis also demonstrated that our food systems are operating with unsustainable cost to human health, the environment, and the climate, creating and multiplying our risks. The way this crisis will unfold in the medium to long term is still uncertain. But one thing is clear, it presents a unique opportunity uh, to realign the world food systems and build back better, to finally implement a sustainable food systems revolution. As they say, never let a crisis to go a waste. This is as urgent as the agriculture revolution that launched CGIAR, yet far more complex. Every piece of analysis and recommendation that we have seen in recent months calls for a resilient recovery. That's why what we are going to talk today and the work our teams have done jointly with the governments is so very important. The good news is, as the global leader in agriculture research, CGIR immediately took action to analyze and counter the pandemic's potentially devastating impacts on food security, nutrition, and livelihoods worldwide particularly in low and middle income countries and identify actions to build greater resilience into food systems. You already heard from John about the CGR COVID-19 hub in July 2020 that was established. I'm particularly pleased that we have built on the strong partnership that has been built over many years and in collaboration with our governments to address critical issues in food, land, and water systems. This is where I want to share the new 1CG reform agenda, which puts forth a new approach to country engagement and regional engagement. This engagement is a central and vital pathway for delivering impact from an ambitious research agenda that was recently uh, endorsed by our systems council. It's a very strategic and very inclusive and ambitious research and innovation strategy. Scaling up for impact is the central focus of this new research and innovation strategy of 1CG. So what does this mean? Bringing all the science technical offer under 1CG umbrella at the country level and the regional level. It also enables our partners, one CGR will be more accessible and easier to work with both locally and globally, providing a one-stop shop to access all our global capacities and capabilities. One CGR will also be more responsive to local priorities and engage more with national agriculture research and innovation systems, local private sector and value chain. This comes out of a lot of discussion at the country level and to be able to respond to that demand, how do we enhance our presence, our capacity, and our response? CGR also aims to bring about a transformative and innovative in its region and country local engagement. And I mentioned about the on-the-ground presence. This is a discussion that we are really having now to ensure that 
our presence on the ground is there at many countries and at the regional level. This is also a good example where in recently in one of our experiences in India, all one CJR centers coming together in responding to the government of India, having a more coherent strategy in responding to some of the issues at the state and local level, how the CG centers all work to respond to the state level demand. So this is the kind of uh, jointness in bringing policies, technology and capacity together to respond to that country demand we are looking at as a new way of operating. Towards that, we are also looking at having a very consistent six core elements, uh, how we would operate. And that's basically having a strategic and institutional structure at the country and regional level. There will be a leadership, a country director, a regional leadership, and all funded to be able to implement the new innovation and uh, science strategy that I mentioned with scientists and from the global scientific lead. So this is one of the key elements of our new strategy and our uh, reform in ensuring presence. The fact that we will be on the ground also enables us to work very collaboratively with our partners, being both government, national agriculture system, private sector, other players. In a sense, if you ask me, the CGIR country engagement approach that the COVID response actually started last year is a front runner in our thinking how we want to do this. So the experience that we are going to hear from our presenters today will be extremely useful. Um, it has actually in the countries want uh, tried to use some consistent approach at the same time being dynamic and responsive to individual country context. And I'm really keen to hear from our country partners how we went about doing this. So in a sense, it is the lesson that we learn from today can also feed into our larger thinking, how country and regional engagement can be enhanced, built up for bigger impact uh, at the country level and the regional level. Now, today's discussion will actually explore uh, the hub's work and country partners collaboratively respond to the pandemic at the national level. It will focus on how we are working through multidisciplinary teams to support country responses to COVID-19, reflecting how we are as one CG changing our way of working to have more presence on the ground and joining efforts across different disciplines. We started, as John mentioned, with Bangladesh and Ethiopia as the pilot countries to co-design research action plans. And we are very pleased also that this will actually uh, expand to more countries being in Nigeria, Malawi, and Myanmar. I look forward to hearing about the experiences of our country teams in Ethiopia and Bangladesh, and to following closely the strong engagement of our researchers in all countries under the hub as they thrive to make CGR's great capacity responsive to the needs of the countries in light of the pandemic and related shocks to food systems. So today's event is important on two accounts. One on COVID, are we gearing up at the country level to find creative, impactful solutions in partnership with governments and other key players? Are we making a dent into this crisis and move the countries to the path towards resilient recovery? Second, what lessons can we learn from the COVID hub 
by everything that 1CG does as part of its new reform plans. I'm excited to hear from our presenters and the participants. And as we have no time to lose in doing everything we can to move the countries out of the crisis and to a strong path to recovery, let's now move into the, the main aspect of our agenda. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you so much, Kundavi, for setting the scene and, and talking about CGIR engagement with regions and countries. Um, now it's my pleasure to introduce Katia Kravonos, who's the Deputy Director of Programs for the CGR System Organization and my co-lead in the CGR COVID-19 hub. Uh, Katia, over to you. Thank you very much, John. Colleagues, could you please have uh, the slides for this part of the agenda? Thank you. As John mentioned, we are working in four different work areas under the hub. And today I just would like to give you an overview of how we're working at the country level before passing to specific country cases. So as you could see from John's presentation, the, this work area three is really about supporting country responses. We're not focusing on any thematic area as, uh, as other working groups do, but what we're really trying to do is to establish a response network across CG centers who are either present in the country or actively working in a particular country. Because as the crisis unfolded, national policy makers and implementers urgently needed evidence and options because they needed to make some very difficult decisions, uh, really looking at the trade-offs of different policy measures trying to protect consumers, trying to protect producers, markets, nutrition, and many other areas affected by COVID-19. So CGR is engaging with governments and other national partners to identify country demand for innovative and evidence-based solutions for response and recovery, but also to build back better. So we are really looking to link the country demand for COVID-19 relevant work with supply of CGI data, knowledge, evidence, innovations, and capacity development. Next slide, please. And how do we do that? So this work is really led by CGI country teams. In each of the countries where we work, we have set up country teams, and they're really the facilitators and the driving engine behind all the work that we're delivering at the country level in the context of COVID-19 hub. They are, have, they are following a country engagement process, which Kundavi emphasized in her opening remarks as will be the standard way for 1CGR to work with the countries. They are working with national stakeholders on an action plan. So they're actually following some quite specific steps, of course, give, uh, with the flexibility uh, to address specific country contexts. But it's really first about um, resourcing the, the country team's work. So this involves really looking at the needs that the teams have, who can carry out what type of work, how, what do we need in terms of support, and uh, securing some seed funding and future hub funding, which is something we have done through, through our funders, but also using some internal resources of the CGRA system. It's really about alignment, which means carrying out a thorough diagnostic, for example, looking at the synthesis of existing CGI research on COVID-19, but also identifying critical key actors in the countries and entry points for COVID-19 work. It's also very much about co-design, which is basically doing a dialogue with country partners, 
to co-design an action plan based on country needs and priorities and CGR capabilities. And then looking at where CGR fits in the broader landscape. So given that each country has unique needs and is positioned um, in a specific situation in relation to COVID-19 and, and food system challenges, where do we fit in relative to other players? How do we work with other organizations such as which is basically doing a dialogue. Sorry for the interruption. So we're doing this uh, also dialogue with partners who are working for in the same countries, for example, FAO and, and IFAD that are also actively engaged in addressing uh, food system challenges linked to COVID. When we look at the countries that we're engaged in, we already mentioned from the very beginning that our pilot countries are Bangladesh and Ethiopia. They, these, these teams have already been functioning since approximately September last year, and they're actually already in a phase where they are able to present some draft action plans still for discussion with the wider community in, that will be engaged in this work to validate these plans, to really uh, engage all the right actors in delivering this work. And then starting today, we're actually adding three new countries that we'll, from, we will speak from the representative, uh, we will hear from these representatives today from Malawi, Myanmar, and Nigeria, because they have just joined um, as of January the hub and will follow the same process as I outlined on the previous slide to truly make CGR COVID-19 work uh, coherent, responding to country needs and delivering real um, impacts on the ground. Thank you. Thank you very much, Katya. Um, now we're going to move into the country part of our program. Uh, but first, I would um, just like to remind the audience that um, those of you that are watching online, you can submit your brief comments, suggestions, or questions on ifpre.org, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or by using the hashtag AskIfpre on Twitter. Um, and so, yeah, please, uh, if you have comments or questions, send them in and, we, um, and we'll assemble those and use them in the discussion section. Now we'll move into the country program and I would like to first start by introducing our colleagues from Bangladesh. Um, Amjath Babu is an agricultural economist uh, working with CIMIT and uh, Sheikh Mohammed Bakhtiar is the executive chairman of the Bangladesh Agricultural Research Council. Um, Amjath, over to you to start us off, uh, and we look forward to your presentation. Thank you. Uh, thanks a lot, John, for introducing myself and Dr. Sheikh Mohammed Bakhtiar, executive chairman of BARC, our national partner. Uh, thanks to all participants of this virtual seminar. Uh, for being part of this journey. COVID-19, uh, we have witnessed uh, for the last few months how COVID-19 disrupted food systems, both food production and supply systems, and caused large-scale impacts, health impacts. So uh, uh, the CGR institutions in Bangladesh were very active in supporting the Bangladesh government and uh, they have done a series of uh, impact assessments, emergency response interventions, and policy uh, reports. Uh, apart from that, COVID-19 Hub would like to support uh, 
Bangladesh in in uh, in in rapid recovery from uh, from this COVID nineteen impacts. Can you go to the next slide? Um, so uh, we, what we have done within this COVID nineteen hub is we mapped all the requirements of the government into CGR's uh, supply. And what you have learned is uh, government wants to increase crop, livestock, and fish production, as well as they want to diversify the production systems to meet the nutritional demands. And also they want to build the resilience against COVID-19 and other emergencies in the food production system. Another objective of uh, government is improvement of agriculture, fish and livestock production system, especially electronic marketing, development of electronic marketing systems and, uh, uh, and employment generation within the rural areas because of COVID, a lot of people lost employment and uh, the government wants to support generation of employment, both in rural and urban areas. In, in relation to uh, the employment generation, they also want to encourage women entrepreneurship and participation of these women in agriculture. So what we have done is, uh, uh, in case of Bangladesh government, they have published these uh, different objectives as an action uh, plan. And uh, we have mapped all these requirements of Bangladesh government into CGR uh, project activities. So what you have done, what you have found out is, most of these actions are well supported by CGR initiatives, especially because, uh, uh, because of international food system disruptions, especially uh, uh, the food supply system is not functioning very well. So government is interested to increase production. And also they want to increase nutrients, uh, nutritional security by increasing diversification within the system. We can support uh, such actions uh, using CJR uh, research ability and ex expertise. And in case of building resilience, also uh, we, we can uh, make huge contribution. So we have mapped all these uh, different uh, government objectives to different projects of CJR. And what we found is there are a few gaps in, uh, in, these, uh, uh, in, the, in the whole uh, support level. Uh, that CGR is offering. So COVID-19 uh, hub is trying to, to build, to, to, to make up this particular gap. So the major gaps are in building resilience and uh, development of electronic market systems for agriculture and provision of employment, additional employment opportunities. And there are, there are some uh, initiatives already exist in these uh, particular fields, but uh, there could be additional activities that can support our uh, uh, our uh, Bangladesh government. Can you go to the next slide? So uh, we are looking at developing two different, uh, actually three different systems for supporting government initiatives. One first is the food system monitoring dashboard, which will be inclusive, including a digital disease monitor and hotspot locator. Uh, supplied by ERI and planning and harvesting monitor and flood monitor using satellite data by EMI and crop weather issue monitor and fish weather monitor by CEMIT and Worldfish 
and, uh, and a feature that is will be added to this uh, food system monitoring dashboard will be farm gate price monitor by IFPRI. And we are also in discussion with the FAO on a poverty, poverty monitoring uh, dash uh, initiative that, that the discussions are in pipeline. And uh, in, uh, in the leadership of SIP, we are looking at uh, supporting a government requirement of uh, supporting homestead food production, which will be an, a, a mobile application that will support nutrition security. Uh, this mobile application will look into what are the missing nutrients within the uh, household's diet and, and then propose some of the uh, uh, plants that can be cultivated within the homestead to, 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 uh, to meet the nutrient gaps. And the last uh, interventions we want to support is a digital markets for women because women uh, had a, a disproportionate, they were disproportionately affected uh, in markets access during the COVID crisis. So we want to link women using a digital platform where the sourcing of uh, uh, these products, products from uh, women farmers will be uh, you know, done by a platform and that will be linked to uh, wholesale markets or supermarket chains so that uh, they can have a larger platform. Uh, and uh, and uh, we are also looking at whether urban women can be involved within this marketing process so that rural and urban women will be linked in the production marketing of different agriculture goods. And also we are looking at different interventions which are possible uh, if there is additional funding that is cold storage facilities for agricultural storage. The storage was a major issue during COVID crisis and also agriculture machinery uh, and uh, the support of uh, the service providers, uh, the support of those people who lost uh, jobs uh, during uh, COVID crisis as uh, agriculture machinery service providers. How can we facilitate that? And last one is uh, biofortified crops introduction of new biofortified crops or nutrition security. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, uh, I'm giving the floor to Dr. Bokhtiar. Uh, thank you, Amjad Babu, for your, your informative presentation. I am Dr. Bokhtiar, working at the Executive Chairman of Bangladesh Agriculture Research Council, which is the apex body of the National Agriculture Research System. The pandemic <clears throat> indeed has had a tremendous impact on farmers of Bangladesh, especially in sowing, planting, harvesting, transportation, marketing, and lack of labor. And the whole agriculture sector, I'm not talking about the crop, even the fisheries and livestock sector has disrupted, especially the supply chain. And Bangladesh government uh, introduced a stimulus package of 600 million US dollar with 4% interest to the farmers uh, for the Bangladesh. Bangladesh is still in a good position, but in regards to food grain, but COVID-19 further highlights the how, uh, where we are, and we are not able to meet up all the requirement of the farmers. Uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic situation. And Amjad Babu, he, uh, Bangladesh already, we prepared the XR plan under the Ministry of Agriculture with the support of 
CGRI. We had a very good collaboration with CGRI Center, those are working in Bangladesh. And Amjad Babu, he rightly mentioned the country's demand through his presentation. And we, Bangladesh government also very much interested to work with CGRI hub, COVID-19 hub, and the issues mentioned by Amjad, uh, we need to address these issues, especially the e-marketing and networking, uh, even in poverty alleviation. And we are also looking if any good technologies, especially on cold storage, uh, we are requesting the CGR if there is a, some uh, farmers friendly cold storage is, is somewhere we need to replicate in Bangladesh because we are facing a lot of problems recently, especially, uh, you know, the potato and um, onion price last four months ago has rise tremendously. And we're also facing, especially for our winter rice, we say boro rice, and during COVID-19, due to the uh, transportation problem and labor shortage, so we saw the importance of agriculture machinery. And Bangladesh government also giving more emphasis, especially for the agriculture machineries. In such cases, we also want to share the experience of other countries in regards to agriculture machineries and also to ensure the service provision for the farmers. And Bangladesh is giving more emphasis right now in our food and nutrition security. And basically right now, Bangladesh released one BT crop on Brinjal and we're going to release the golden rice. Um, it takes some times, but we are looking more by fortified crop, which is the uh, source to meet up the multi-nutrient, especially for the farmers. So this is all about uh, my comments and thanks the CGRI for arranging such important uh, webinar today. And Bangladesh is committed to work with CGRI uh, COVID-19 hub. Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, thank you, Dr. Bakhtiar. And it's great to have you joining us, um, given the pivotal leadership of the Bangladesh Agricultural Research Council in convening the CGR centers and kind of leading us in how we can support uh, the Bangladesh system. It's, it's great to have you. Um, now I would like to move over to Ethiopia and um, call on my colleague, uh, Siboniso Moyo who's the Director General's representative uh, in Ethiopia for ILRI, um, who will outline um, how they've been working with national partners uh, on developing the uh, COVID response in Ethiopia. So uh, Bonnie, over to you, please. Uh, thank you very much, uh, John, and good afternoon, everyone. It is my pleasure this afternoon to uh, share with you Ethiopia's experience in supporting the, the government's response to COVID-19. 
The Ethiopia country team has been working over the years very closely with the government supporting its programs. The team comprises the 11 CGR centers that are based in the country and all working from one uh, hub at the Ilri campus in Addis Ababa. We also uh, have eight uh, CGR research programs focal points. But for the COVID response work under the hub, we have a core team, which uh, is a smaller group cutting across centers and CRPs and supporting by uh, institutional functions from ILRI on communication and knowledge management and head of administration. Uh, next slide, please. So when the COVID uh, hub work uh, started sometime in early October, we committed to use the country engagement process, which uh, already Katia did uh, elaborate on, on the different elements. So once the core team had uh, gone through the institutionalization and uh, establishing the coordination mechanism, we quick, this took about two weeks because we already had systems of coordination in place. We quickly moved to the centerpiece, which is developing the strategy and the program. So this is where we really focused on the components of triangulation, where we did the DEX uh, exercises on the demand side assessment, really trying to better understand what are the government's uh, uh, priorities in this area, and also mapping CGR's work and capabilities identifying what are some of the areas that we could respond to, to add value to the government's effort. So after that, we looked at feasibility, what can be reasonable done through research and also within the time uh, frame that we had. So this is uh, the, at the point where we are at the moment where we're seeking to validate uh, triangulation. And during this process, with our uh, selected stakeholders. During this process, we've also been uh, developing an action plan where we are, we are matching our demand and supply side and working with some of our key partners, some of whom will be core principal investigators together with the CGR principal investigators. So we are preparing for a core design phase where we will have a consultation with the key stakeholders for this process. So as part of this uh, assessment, we have some quick results just to share with you on some of the emerging areas where we feel CGR could meaningfully contribute. So once we have this action plan finalized, we're moving on to the last part or components of the process, which is the implementation, which we'll undertake between now uh, from February right through to the end of the year, working together with our partners to meaningfully uh, implement, contribute to the response plan, and also uh, find elements for capacity development and co-deliver together for a successful uh, response plan in Ethiopia. We are committed to monitor 
and measure and also really uh, report on these outputs and also learn through the process. What are some of the learnings that we can bring forward? Next slide, please. So uh, some of the key uh, elements that came up from the assessment on the demand side, the government of Ethiopia has through the Minister of Agriculture has a COVID-19 response plan. But there are other ministries like the Minister of Health, the Minister of Water. So we looked at the, all, the whole national plan from different ministries. But here I'm sharing mainly the Minister of Agriculture, which is, so they have five uh, focus areas, ranging from uh, improving agricultural services, the issue of distribution of inputs. This was majorly disrupted during this phase. So they're looking at how to better improve this part. They're looking at increasing production of some of the stable uh, grains and vegetables in order to diversify uh, the diet. Issues of domestic and export supply chain are key and providing food to the uh, vulnerable communities uh, in parts of Ethiopia. This is happening at a time when the government has a digital Ethiopia 2025 uh, strategy, which has a specific targets for the agricultural sector. So this is what the demand side has. So, from the CGR side, we looked at the ongoing work, about 39 ongoing activities that, since the start of the, of the pandemic. And so what areas could we meaningfully contribute through research? So the, the challenges that the country is facing range from uh, poor diet quality, issues of diversification of diets, the major bottleneck that the government is battling with now is in seed supply systems. And also at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of misinformation against some consumption of certain foods, especially vegetables and animal source foods. They were uh, seen as if they would uh, spread uh, the, the COVID-19. Uh, so there was resistance in that consumption. So how, how can research respond? What are some of the questions that uh, are emerging? We need to continue to better understand the nature of agriculture input supply disruptions so that we can target the interventions. We propose to map the seed supply systems to support the government in tackling the major bottleneck of seed supply, but focusing on one vegetable and two staple crops, we're proposing wheat and sorghum. We also want to come up with robust communication programs that will address the issues of misinformation uh, about the pandemic and consumption of agriculture foods. In support of the government's digital uh, Ethiopia 2025 strategy, we will digitalize, uh, we're proposing to come up with some digitalized app elements, specifically supporting seed supply system, issues on food safety, issues on, on food consumption and wash decisions by communities and households. So this is what is emerging, which we're taking forward together with our partners to, to really narrow it and focus and see what is feasible, 
uh, implementable between now and the end of the year, and also laying a foundation for continued uh, support to the response plan going beyond. I, I just want to end by sharing, next slide please, sharing some lessons learned through this uh, exercise. We, we feel it's important to build on existing CGR country collaboration mechanisms for ease of coordination. For us, it was easy to come together when the COVID hub was established and build on our coordination mechanism. So this is an important element. And ongoing partnerships colleagues in Bangladesh are working together to move with some of the ongoing work and looking into the future. So this is essential, continue built uh, together with the partners. The demand and supply side assessment was a valuable exercise for us. It brought so much rich resource. We, some of the information would not have easily come across unless we, we undertook this exercise. So well the demand side and also map our own uh, work and capability. So the two countries to do the same, especially on the assessments. We did this in parallel because of the time constraint at that time. We need sufficient time to pilot the engagement process framework. It's important to document, to learn and move it forward. Plan for good management of expectations during the alignment and co-design process. It's important that this is, this, this is expected and therefore plan to manage it well. Adequate resourcing is key to support the activities, therefore prioritize priorities that add value and achieve great impact and a, a meaningful contribution to the government Ethiopia's response plan. So central coordination is a key element to my CGR colleagues. This is important as we partner with the nations. I thank you very much. Thank you, John. Oh, thanks. Thanks very much, Bonnie. Um, that was great. And um, so, um, and and thanks to all the people connecting from all over the world. It's um, quite a challenging environment sometimes to do so. So, uh, so thanks for that. Just another reminder to everybody um, that we're going to have a discussion following this, the speaker presentations. So if you have comments, suggestions, or questions, please post them to the chat of the uh, of, um, of either, um, or, uh, sorry, please post them to ifpri.org, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or by using the hashtag askifpri on Twitter. Um, and now we're going to, the, to look at the three um, new countries where we're just starting to formulate plans for working this year. And we're very pleased to have three national partners. Let me first introduce from Nigeria, Dr. Zubaria Abdullahi, who's the Director of Planning and Policy Coordination um, in the Federal Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development. Uh, Zubaria, please. Thank you so much uh, for this opportunity. I greet you all from all over the world. 
uh, either good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, whichever is applicable to you. I'm, uh, I'm going to quickly present to you um, uh, the brief uh, presentation. I'm going to give you a brief presentation of what Nigerian government is thinking post COVID-19 and uh, its intervention uh, strategy so that uh, we minimize the impact of COVID-19 on the general population. So I will, uh, I've already had a lot of, uh, to, uh, me and my honorable minister, we've had meetings with uh, um, the SIGA team in Nigeria. We've had consultations and then we worked together and came up with a lot of uh, areas, beautiful areas where we think uh, SIGA can play an important role in improving agriculture and agri cultural processes in Nigeria. So uh, let me start by telling, I don't want to go back into an introduction that came from every other person that COVID-19 uh, is such an unexpected phenomenon that came and devastated almost everything we know. All our normal procedures, all our normal norms have been disrupted by COVID-19 pandemic. Um, uh, it is having a very serious impact on the economy, very serious impact on agricultural processes, very serious impact on movement of farm inputs from the coastal area to the northern part of the area and it's also having a very serious impact on movement of food from the northern part of the country to the southern part of the country so we had a lot of stakeholder engagements in nigeria and we came up with things that we thought if we address them uh, nigeria's agriculture will have little or will have a reduced impact on uh, the effect of COVID 19. Uh, now, the, I want to highlight this areas, uh, few areas here so that uh, it will be good for us to look at our position in this regard. First one, first of all, is the develop, developing improved varieties of crops, development of improved livestock uh, is, is, um, uh, varieties, improvement on fishery species as disease resistant, and climate tolerant high yielding materials for the production of safe and high quality commodities. This is very key because we realize that the subsistence, subsistence level of agricultural production that we do in the country can be greatly affected if we lay much emphasis on research and development. Uh, we are concerned uh, that for the many years before the advent of COVID-19, Nigeria was able to relatively feed itself without any disruption. Now with COVID-19, we have to look inwards to improve our production. That effect is going to drastically make our subsistence farmers produce more than they can consume. And in that way, uh, we will have enough surplus that could stand on uh, all future shocks as a result of COVID-19 or other natural calamities. So concentration is on research and development. Then there is also the facility facilitating the production and distribution of breeder foundation and certified seeds, seedlings, uh, breeds, brew stock as inputs to farmers at economical or affordable cost for enhanced agricultural output. These materials will be produced by national and international research institutes. We are in constant communication with IIT, International Institute of Tropical Agriculture, and many other research institutes available in the country, and encouraging them to look inwards to develop a high resistant uh, varieties, breeds, and, and uh, uh, breeder stocks, so that we, so that we, the Nigerian agricultural system 
could be resilient enough in the future pandemic or any other calamity that will befall the country so that we'll be able to produce enough to, 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 to sustain the economy, to sustain the population, to address the issue of nutrition, and then also provide surplus for our teaming industries. So uh, then, the, then we, were, we are also looking at the issues of uh, extension. So leveraging on existing extension structures of adopted communities and schools to aid farmers on best, uh, best techniques and practices to increase agricultural production. And many at times you, we have very good research findings. Then when it comes to uh, production of these uh, seeds into a large quantity that will be adequate enough to meet the demands of the farmers, we have some little challenge there. Then the next thing, another big challenge we have is the issue of agricultural extension workers. The rate of agricultural extension worker versus number of farmers in Nigeria is not very beautiful. And uh, we are concerned about this and the federal government is already engaging uh, up to 774,000 um, uh, uh, extension workers very soon. So a key aspect of that is the uh, training and retraining of extension workers to be able to deliver research findings that will help improve the agricultural productivity of our numerous farmers. Then expanding of the storage infrastructure capacity of national food reserve facilities to manage commodity price volatility and facilitate food relief. Here, um, uh, Nigeria has gone far. We have, we, have, we have developed a lot of capacity in terms of uh, um, uh, strategic food grains reserve. But where we've discovered that we are not very strong is the ability of the states to develop their buffer stock capability. We, with the advent of COVID-19, everybody realized the significance of uh, agricultural storage and providing adequate storage facilities, both at the central level and, and at the subnational level. So our attention now is to encourage states and support states to develop their capability to buy surplus grains, surplus outputs during the times of bloods and they're releasing them when there is absolute need. The 100,000, near, nearly 100,000 metric tons of grains that were released by the federal government during the pandemic has substantially helped in reducing the prices of food items in the country. That is a very uh, good strategy that brought some level of relief to the country and it has helped in strengthening our ability for nutrition uh, in the country. Then, um, uh, uh, providing training to empower, to empower youth and women in agricultural value chain activities and engage them in agribusiness undertaking. We realize that when there is a very good engagement of youth and the women you, uh, in the society, you are creating a large pool of uh, opportunities for employment uh, among the population. Uh, every one of us know that COVID-19 um, uh, was able to uh, actually deprive so many people of opportunities to work. And the most, in most developing countries today, especially in Nigeria, it's not the availability of food. It is the ability of the population to have economic uh, uh, capability to procure this food. So uh, we are not talking about farming in Nigeria. We're talking about the poverty level associated with uh, the individual's ability to procure what is already produced. So getting uh, this population, the youth and the women, and getting them 
uh, opportunities to engage in agricultural practices so that they, they themselves will be able to earn some revenue that will give them the, the way with the, the strength to sustain themselves is key in the government policy and strategy to addressing the challenges of COVID-19. Then providing social safety nets to farmers as needed, including inputs, enabling policies, financial loans and guarantees. This Federal Ministry of Agriculture has done a tremendous job. We are currently distributing a lot of farm inputs to farmers at various levels, looking at so many other natural phenomena apart from COVID-19 flood and many other things. So all the farm inputs, farm, uh, farm, mechan farm mechanization, um, uh, farm te other technical supports, we have them in the store and we have, we have started releasing them to farmers and it, is, it has helped in tremendously increasing the capability of our farmers. It has also given them the strength to also um, uh, release other capitals for other engagements because uh, providing a social safety net to them gives them the little strength, the confidence to engage the little capital they have for other economic activities. So we have uh, succeeded in doing that one, but uh, the government itself um, uh, may not be able to satisfy all the farmers all over the country. So it is a little drop and uh, we believe expanding it um, with the act uh, activation of this year's budget will help again in mitigating the impact of COVID-19 and flood in Nigeria. Uh, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I hope I'll be able to respond to some of the questions afterwards. Thank you. Oh. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much, Dr. Abdullahi. Now I would like to, to turn over to uh, Dr. Godfrey Chingoma from uh, the Department of Crop Production and in, in, uh, the Government of Malawi. Uh, Godfrey, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Uh, I want to uh, send my greetings to uh, uh, all over, uh, people all over in the world. Uh, I can say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Yeah, uh, what I'll do is uh, just to give a perspective on uh, what has happened in Malawi in terms of uh, the impact of COVID-19, especially for farmers. Uh, there's been a survey done recently by agriculture policy research in Africa. Uh, in that uh, uh, survey, which was done in December last year, they, they observed that uh, a lot of farmers were affected by uh, COVID-19. Sorry, it's raining here. I hope you still hear, hear me, what I'm saying. Yeah, so the observations were that um, farmers, when they were selling their produce, they sold at a very low price. Produce like maize, uh, groundnut, and so on. They, they, they interviewed the groundnut farmers. So there was an effect that um, business was slow. Because business was slow, demand was slow, farmers uh, lost money. They didn't sell at high price as they normally do because of COVID-19. Uh, the traders were slowing down. And this led to low income for the farmers, but also it led to compromising of nutrition among the families because they didn't make that much money. Uh, but they also observed that access to work by, by, by farmers off the farm declined because of uh, COVID. Uh, actually, agricultural entrepreneurship uh, declined. Uh, so uh, with this background, 
uh, as, as a country, uh, we, are, we are doing a COVID-19 uh, response. And actually, as, as Malawi, we have talked to donor partners uh, to assist us in this process. And there are various projects that we are doing, for example, funded by IFAD and also funded by the World Bank, uh, whereby we're bringing uh, COVID measures um, in the programming, in the work plans and budget, to make sure that uh, COVID measures are, 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 are taken into account. For example, one of the priorities is uh, uh, is concerning health measures because uh, we'd want that everybody in the value chain from production, processing, marketing, transport, wholesale, retail, retail market and consumers should not be affected by COVID-19 because uh, honestly, obviously, COVID-19 is a health issue. So throughout the value chain, all the measures which the health people are promoting, like use of masks, wearing masks, use of sanitizers, uh, social distance, need to be promoted. Yeah? And so that the, the people who are doing production, who are farmers, the people doing processing, the people doing marketing, those doing transport, the transporters, wholesale market, retail, and consumers, nobody is affected because it's a COVID issue. I mean, it's a health issue. And then uh, uh, because of this, what we're doing is uh, as Minister of Agriculture, we've developed guidelines for extension workers to use in uh, doing extension. Because for example, right now, the group approach in extension is not working uh, as, as well as it used to do because uh, we, we can now bring farmers in a group, like for example, to a demonstration in a field showing crop technologies, uh, even field days, those technologies that they are they're coming, uh, they're becoming very hard to do because of COVID-19. And uh, the guidelines are, are assisting our extension makers to still do the training, maybe one-on-one -on -one approach, visits and things like that, so that farmers are still getting extension services. So we have those guidelines and uh, there are also areas for research, which I'll talk about later. But in terms of uh, threats uh, for us in Malawi, uh, our one of productivity, crop productivity, because of COVID-19, productivity is the uh, access to, uh, like seed uh, has a, a program, we call it uh, uh, seeds and fertilizers are subsidized so that farmers buy them uh, cheaply. But when they're buying them, there are also threats of them catching COVID-19 uh, because they, sometimes they have to come in a group and we have to manage the numbers so that there's no overcrowding in the places at the retail where they're buying subsidized imports. Yeah? And the other threat is on the delivery of agricultural extension services. As I said, it's tough to teach farmers technologies uh, without using a group um, approach. And the other threats that are there is marketing of produce because they would want farmers to get a fair deal in terms of price and even the demand, the volumes that they sell. So COVID-19 is preventing uh, those threats in marketing of produce, which have an effect in the livelihoods of farmers uh, for them to make money and you know uh, get enough um, income, even food security for, for their, for their for their system because of challenges in, in, in marketing, there are problems. Uh, now, in terms of um, yeah, other challenges also, the export markets, we're also having challenges in export market because of productivity issues. We cannot produce, as a country, we cannot produce that much 
for the export market. Uh, even delivery to food, uh, delivery of food and the uh, products to the to the urban areas. Uh, as as you know, in Malawi, or maybe you don't know, in Malawi there's now overpopulation in the urban areas. Our major cities, there are about four of them, with uh, a lot of people in there, and uh, it's a market for farmers who are in the rural areas. Yeah, so uh, delivery of food to urban areas uh, is also a challenge with COVID. Yeah, because of uh, transport issues and the logistics and things like that, and and the export as as also as I mentioned already. Uh, in terms of research, I think for research, uh, the CGIR uh, uh, teams that we have right in Malawi here, they're helping us, like IITA, CIMIT, uh, ICRISAD, and others. They're helping us in, in, in developing technologies which farmers uh, can use. But I think what they can do as a research institute is to identify bottlenecks within the value chains uh, and then recommend recovery measures, uh, resilience uh, measures, and even technology adoption, enhanced technology adoption. Sorry, it's raining. I might have to cut my my presentation. I hope we, you 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 may not get me that well because of the rain. But but being a new member joining the hub, um, we are open to uh, experience sharing, especially by countries such as Ethiopia and even Bangladesh, so that we can really uh, uh, get get to speed and run in terms of planning and and, and sharing information on the uh, COVID mitigation measures. Uh, thank you very much. This is my submission. Okay, thank you very much, Godfrey. That was great and thanks for persevering um, in, that, in, the, in the rainstorm. Um, now, um, we're gonna move to the, to the discussion. Oh, sorry, we've got uh, an intervention from Myanmar from uh, Dr. Tanda Chi, Tanda Chi, Tanda. Um, which we're gonna show now. Um, virtually yeah uh thank you i will be uh discussing about uh the how COVID 19 and so will impact on uh you know agriculture livelihood and uh food security or uh, in case of myanmar uh, COVID 19 or uh, the coronavirus spread around the world since december 2019 and the first official case in myanmar was reported on March 23, 2020, where uh, the first set of uh, the containment measures introduced. Uh, in Myanmar, COVID-19 infection rate was low at the first wave, but uh, you know, at the second wave, uh, confirmed cases are rising and uh, more than uh, there are many of our many affected cases are is, uh, you know, almost uh, the 120,000 people uh, have been affected. And, um, uh, you know, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is causing uh, an unprecedented uh, challenge to our government of Myanmar and population, its population across the country. The spread is placing huge pressure on health system but it is also having a social and economic impact on across all sectors, including food and agriculture. So uh, the, some of the impact that I would highlight is, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the impact on uh, food and nutrition security is uh, complex in nature because of uh, the, the actors that govern food production 
and food supply change include our, uh, the our, uh, farmers, agriculture uh, upstream and downstream, agriculture inputs, processing plants, logistics service, uh, traders, uh, retailers, and, you know, all of which are under threat. It's our, our, uh, our, even then, agricultural services such as uh, uh, storage, uh, transportation, and logistics, finance, marketing, research, and extension services have been affected by the, the lockdown registration measures. World Bank, our economic monitor in our 2020, estimated our the agriculture sector growth is by uh, estimating about 0.7% in fiscal year 2019-20. It was dropped down from 1.6% in 2018-19. The, uh, you know, the, some of the, the rapid assessment uh, showed that uh, more than 80% of the households in some of the study village are, uh, you know, anticipated that community may need uh, relief, food, catch assistant, livestock, and emergency agriculture assistant in one to three months' times if COVID-19 situation continue. Job losses due to restriction of movement absence of or the market are also found to be a factor affecting the income sources for farmers and agriculture labor household. You know, uh, the um, Myanmar, the government of Myanmar, to prepare and release the COVID-19 economic uh, relief plan on April 28, uh, 2020, to mitigate the economic impact of uh, uh, the pandemic. Uh, which includes monetary reform, increased government spending, and strengthening of the health sector. It has seven goals, 10 strategy, and 36 action plan, and 78 actions. Among the action plans and CERP, the ministry had to take responsibility of implementing for supporting farmers, seed producer, agri-processor, and agribusiness. In the crop production sector, the likely disruption of input supplies for the planting season may lead to seasonal and long-term food shortage and income losses, the compromising purchasing power and access to a healthy diet. Wage decreases and livelihood loss could deepen poverty, push households to resort to negative coping strategy and compromise their resilient to any further shocks such as floods and drought. So given the importance of uh, the nutrition security, sustainable food system approach is also advocated, uh, especially with a focus on climate resilient, sustainable agriculture practices that ensure food security of the small farmers, small rural farmers. So a measure like crop diversification and efficient nutrition management are some of the intervention. So there is need for building resilience of supply change by increasing food production capacity, strengthening food reserve in the country, as well as improving national food logistics system. It also needs to emphasize on sound policy and program that focus on resilient food system and our diversification. 
and promoting sustainable and resilient food system approach where deliver food security and nutrition while uh, building resilient to shock and maintaining the economic, social, and environmental basic to generate food security and nutrition, which is important for rural and urban poor in the country. Thank you. Wonderful. Okay. Thanks, everybody. So we're on to the um, discussion section now. And there's a number of things that have come in through the chat. Um, so what I'd like to do first is I'm going to give a warning to our um, two new partners, uh, Zubaria and Godfrey, uh, about a question I'll ask them um, after the first two questions, which is uh, you both laid out very nicely the kind of long-term agenda for food system transformation and some of the key issues you're facing in Nigeria and, and Malawi. I guess my question is, what, what has surprised you the most and maybe changed your thinking? One, one surprise uh, that's really changed your thinking about uh, what, what would happen in future. Um, so, so I'll come back to you on that, but I wanted to give you a bit of a heads up on that. So the first question, um, and I've compiled a few questions from Julie Howard uh, in the United States from um, a partner at Hawassa University in Ethiopia. And I'm going to ask both Bonnie and Amjath this question is, can you say a bit about how you're engaging with national partners in developing these response plans and, and presumably implementing them? And those national partners uh, are also, they, people would like to know about academic partners and or private sector partners as well. Um, so Bonnie, can I start with you um, and then go to Amja? Uh, thank you very much for, for those questions. We are already working with national partners in Uh, for example, the Ethiopian Institute of Agricultural Research, the Ethiopian Public Health Institute, and, and some of the uh, partners that are already in the uh, WASH programs. So in this exercise, we were engaging in the uh, trying to understand better the, what the demand side and clarifying on the Ethiopia's uh, response plan. So as I said in my presentation, we are now going to the pro, uh, next step where we are seeking to validate that what we have uh, proposed so far with a few uh, key stakeholders and CG teams is actually what the wider uh, community these as the priorities that we can engage in in this year. And so, yes, we private sector and uh, the academic institutions will be part of uh, undertaking or partnering with us as we develop the detailed proposal and the action plan. Over. Thanks. Thanks, Bonnie. Amja, over to you. Yeah, I just want to add some points what, uh, on what Spancy said. Um, 
the agricultural food system monitor that we are trying to develop in Bangladesh is an excellent example of how, how one CJR could participate with uh, national partners you know, in developing a system that will monitor at country level for agricultural food system. Uh, in that one, for example, uh, we wanted to develop a crop weather monitoring system where we are tying up with the uh, Department of Agriculture Extension. And uh, we want to uh, look at the farm gate prices. For that, we are uh, working with the Department of Agriculture Marketing. And uh, for the flood assessment, we are working with the Department of, uh, 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 no, sorry, Ministry of uh, Disaster Management. So uh, for each component, we are identifying different uh, major stakeholders and uh, we are going to engage with them in a, in a series of uh, stakeholder discussions and customizing each interventions for their requirements so that they can use it for policy purposes. So the whole system, once it is uh, in, in final form, will be uh, you know, enabling their policy decisions and will quicken up their, you know, uh, it will make, make it very quick. quick. Uh, so uh, this way we are trying to, uh, to, to wrap in these stakeholders into each, each of these interventions. And it is a, it is a kind of co-design and co-development process we are going to undergo here. Thank you. Thanks very much, Amjad. Great. Now I want to turn um, to Dr. Bhaktiar from the executive chairman of the Bangladesh Agriculture Research uh, Council, and you laid out very much a long-term agenda of diversification of food supply um, in Bangladesh. Um, can you say a little bit about what some of the priorities are for that, especially related to kind of the consumer end, uh, logistics, marketing, and um, kind of urban food markets? What are some of the priorities that are emerging there on your food system transformation? So Dr. Bhaktiar. Uh, thank you, John. Uh, actually, you know, the across the globe, due to the pandemic COVID-19 pandemic situation, the food chain has disrupted very seriously. And in case of especially Bangladesh, the poultry sector has seriously affected uh, even the fisher community uh, due to the transportation problem. Just to <clears throat> get the benefit of the farmers, we need to give more emphasis on the e-marketing uh, so that the farmers can benefit from their product. And Bangladesh, we have a department of agriculture marketing and we develop a web portal by which the farmers are getting the real information. And we established some market in every district uh, to support our farmers. No, great, that, that's very helpful, thank you. Now I wanna go back to our colleagues from Nigeria and Malawi and, and come back to them about the question of what's your, been your biggest surprise in the pandemic in terms and how might that cause you to change, adjust what you're thinking about in terms of longer term food system transformation. So Zubari, can I, can I start with you? Uh, it's okay, quite okay. Um, uh, the major thing that happened during the pandemic 
was when we suddenly realized that uh, uh, for a very long time when we thought our agricultural supply chain and the production system were strong because this is something that came through history for a very long time we suddenly realized that we are vulnerable we suddenly realized that so many things are not exactly as we thought. the pandemic has opened our eyes we suddenly realized things are not going to be the same so we had to start thinking of how we are going to prioritize and then come up with solutions that will last beyond the pandemic uh, there was also the issue of budgetary constraint. Um, uh, with the advent of COVID-19, the Nigeria is like a mono economy that rely heavily on petroleum sector. And then at a point in time, a barrel of crude oil was being sold below $10, as low as $0. So at that time, we further realized that the money is, wasn't just there all the time as we needed it. So that, 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 that calls for a very, very serious um, redesign of the way we do things as a country, as a nation, to be able to feed ourselves. There is also the issue of um, um, uh, relying heavily, because the little money available can only support evidence-based interventions, not, an in, not a trial and error anymore, because the money was just not there. So there was this urgent need on the part of all the stakeholders. I'm talking about Federal Ministry of Agriculture, the State's Ministries of Agriculture, and very other important key holders in the development of agriculture in Nigeria to start now developing priorities and then embracing evidence-based strategies that will help the nation move forward, move forward out of COVID-19 pandemic, the flood and flooding problems, and then many other natural disasters. Then. They were also, the, uh, we suddenly realized that there were many international donor partners that want to come to assist Nigeria, being the biggest, uh, most populated uh, country in Africa, to move out of its own problem, of the, uh, out of the problem caused mainly by COVID-19. We realized that so many of them kept their ideas and approaches that if as a country, we, we, if we not sat down to look at and develop our own priority, they may be tempted to go and do things that either result in duplication or can, can give so many other challenges. Then uh, the, 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 the whole experience has also given us a better understanding of the nature of, uh, of the supply, uh, um, so, so, so uh, of the supply and then the demand side of agriculture and agricultural processes. So I think I, I oh, don't that's have- great. Yeah, now that gives us a good insight into how the, the resilience challenge has come up in a big way in Nigeria, thanks. Uh, Godfrey um, from Malawi, anything from your side? Yeah, uh, number one, uh, what was the surprise? The number one surprise was learning to work from home. <laughs> Working from home. And working from home meant that uh, we cannot have meetings. Uh, I'm a policymaker. I work in the Ministry of Agriculture at headquarters. We, uh, when COVID uh, did strike, we had to stop our meetings with stakeholders. We had to stop travel, yeah, both the, outside the country. Uh, we had to stop interaction with the stakeholders. So we had to learn how to do virtual meetings. 
mm. for the first time I've gone into virtual meetings. We had to learn to do that. It's uh, not easy. Even extension work, I, I work with extension department. We, we had to stop field days, we had to stop demonstrations, we had to stop um, focus group discussions and other group approach techniques in extension. In the process, uh, even things like PRA, uh, participatory rural appraisal, it was difficult, we had to stop. Now, what was the thinking change? We had to do a paradigm shift now to make sure that work goes on. Yeah, and work goes on uh covid might be here forever that does that does not mean that we have to stop working we still have to work but now how do we work with covid now we are, we are learning to work more on the telephone we're working to work more or using smartphones uh using sms uh using whatsapp uh, these days even in the office they are we're using whatsapp surprisingly emails more emails zoom so it's like we're now working in a different way. Maybe I can call it working smarter, but it's like working in a different way. Uh, so uh, it's tough. Even things like social distancing, use of sanitizer, wearing masks, it's a new thing. Things have changed, but work, has to, work still has to go on. Especially my worry is how do we do extension work as efficiently as we used to do? With these, with these restrictions? How do we interact more with stakeholders as efficiently as we used to do without meeting, yeah. without travel, without interactions and so on? So it's a, it's a different way of working. We're still learning, but uh, we're making some progress. Uh, otherwise, we might have to use some technologies. Like these days now, we're sending messages to farmers via SMS on the phone. We're even having uh, call centers where farmers can call and get messages and things like that. Yeah, so even the farmers are adapting. They're, now they have to buy a cell phone, something which never, they never really needed before. But now farmers are buying cell phones. When selling inputs, we're even using a digital technology. So there's a lot of um, transformation uh, in the way we work. So we're still adapting. I, I hope we'll get as efficient as we used to be with the old traditional uh, processes. I think that's what I would say as a, the paradigm shift that we're going through. Thank you. Okay, Godfrey, that's that's great. Thanks, and uh, hopefully we will get to meet again soon, <laughs> and that social <laughs> and re reestablish some of the social capital that we're mining now. Um, Kundavi, I'm going to come back to you. Um, I'm, you're going to get the last word, but we have a question from AJ Singh from the Indian Institute of Technology in Karagpur, who's saying. How is this? How is the kind of one CGR approach going to be different from the kind of individual CGIR center partnerships in countries? Um, and so that maybe you can address that when you get the last word. Um, Katya, we have a question from some of the CGIR colleagues in Myanmar, um, both from World Fish and from IMI, saying, kind of what kind of endorsement or engagement are you expecting from? the government in this kind of co-design of work in 2021? I will be brief, conscious of time, John. Thank you for that question. I think the important thing is to really engage in a proper alignment and co-design with the partners. And that process will vary country by country because in some of the countries you already have strong uh, working groups linked to either to the Ministry of Agriculture 
or maybe donor coordination platforms that also include the government and major uh, stakeholders. So there is no prescription analysis from the hub to say what would be the proper endorsement. It's really about following the process, documenting it, of course, uh, what kind of uh, groundwork has been done to, to really gather the information and make sure that we respond to country needs. But there is no formal requirement of an endorsement like a letter necessarily. And we can discuss it on a case-by-case -case basis, of course, because it depends okay. also how you work with the countries yourselves. Thanks. Okay, no, thanks. Now, uh, unfortunately, because of time, there's a lot of good questions, many questions I can't answer in terms of what are we, we won't have time to address in terms of what kind of projects come into these country portfolios. Uh, there's some interesting questions around how we're moving forward on uh, digital tools. Um, and the, for example, the hotspot analysis that Amjath talked about, we won't be able to get to those uh, today, but uh, hopefully those will be topics for discussions and you can follow up with the individual speakers. Um, I would like to give Kundavi the last word um, in terms of, of uh, how she saw this and, and what she sees moving forward. Uh, so Kundavi, over to you, please. Thank you very much, John. Uh, let me first uh, take the question that came on, uh, how does 1CG engage in the new, um, uh, you know, 1CG, reformed 1CG? Uh, just to give you an example, uh, we have now currently 15 research centers, um, and each one of them, particularly in countries like large countries like India, you have all these 15 centers engaging with government, um, again, not well coordinated, uh, sometimes engaging with the same central government or state government in parallel, not with much uh, discussion among themselves on issues relating to improving productivity, diversification of agriculture, incomes, or climate resilience. So whether it is IRI or ICRISAT or CIMIT or World Fish, we have all these isolated programs going. So what we, you would see in future is a much more coordinated approach. And uh, you would see even these research centers, the institutional architecture changing. Uh, a good example that I was mentioning was uh, with respect to India. In India, also countries like India are pushing back that it's too much transaction cost when they have to engage with so many centers. So if you're taking a particular state, if you have 15 centers doing uh, parallel programs, would it make sense how they align with the state strategy for improving productivity, resilience, and diversification? And then bringing all the capacities of 1CG on the policy side, on the technology side, and the capacity building side, then it will be a much more coordinated pooling our skills and responding to that government uh, needs rather than uh, you know uh, isolated programs that are perhaps not much more linked to the interlinked problems of today. So that's just to give you an example. We are again still in the early stages. And that's why I said this COVID is actually a lesson for us as to how this can be done. Um, now, in terms of uh, summarizing uh, this discussion, I find it extremely uh, interesting, particularly to hear from the national leaders, um, your, your assessment of the situation, uh, what needs to be done, and how the CG uh, institutions work together collaboratively uh, in bringing that um, a joint understanding and the response. I, I heard a lot of um, uh, emphasis on demand side, 
uh, ensuring that there is greater partnership, partnership being not just government and national agriculture systems. Uh, we also heard about the private sector as well as academia who are all needed in terms of a much more collaborative and stronger uh, partnership. This is also important in terms of building ownership and sustainability. So that uh, emphasis that came through both the Fiji teams and the national partners was uh, extremely good to hear. It's a kind of model you know, we would like to build on. Imagine this COVID-19 becomes a model of everything and everything that one CG will be doing, that all our programs are done in collaboration with the, with the government. The Nigeria example is a good one. Imagine if countries were overwhelmed by so many different approaches, but working together with the national partners on their strategy and feeding into it. So that's actually a very good aspect of it I really want to emphasize. The concrete examples of Bangladesh and Ethiopia are very, very helpful. Uh, and again, the, the, the system, the food system dashboard is a very good example. It's not just building these dashboards, but how we use it. And I was also very encouraged to hear that uh, we are also working closely with FAO on the poverty aspect of the dashboard. So it's not CG alone developing, but how do you bring different partners together? And it is uh, set in within government system and that it is used by a number of partners, uh, not only development institution, but other players. So this aspect of Bangladesh was extremely good to hear. And also the Ethiopia's example, particularly spelling out the lessons, what we can take from the last few months of experience is actually a very good one. And I hope we can pick on all these things as we scale up our implementation. And I would really want to take this opportunity to thank everybody, thank uh, the senior leaders from the national government, as well as uh, people representing agencies, as well as our own uh, CG teams who made this event possible. And more than anything else, the participants who are hooked up because it is the learning that is extremely important. Our work is not over, it's just begun. This conversation today is actually helping us uh, building on our understanding of the work that has started, uh, sharing our knowledge and experiences, refining our approaches so that we really have a, a resilient recovery and path to uh, reconstruction as well. So on that very positive note, uh, I'd like to close this uh, segment unless uh, John or Katia want to formally uh, close the meeting. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you, thank you, Kundavi. Um, I don't want to do any closing. I just wanted to point out to people that the recording, all the presentations will be on the IFPRI website, uh, on the IFPRI events website, so you can pick it up there. And please feel free to reach out to speakers, uh, especially the CGR speakers, if you wish additional information on some of their presentations that we didn't give them enough time to elaborate on. So thank you very much. Uh, this, this was a, a very nice event and we're, and we're pleased uh, to have had it. And Kumundavi, thank you for, for joining us. Okay, thank you everyone.